So as I mentioned with the children earlier today, we are spending the next few weeks, we're in week two of four weeks of talking about questions from the outside. As we've listened to what our community is asking us, as we've done research, there are four questions that seem to come back over and over again that if we are interested in reaching out to our community with open arms, well, we ought to spend some time wrestling. So last week we talked about the question, can I trust you? And today we're going to talk about, will you answer my questions? Now a lot of this has to deal with, and you can look at all of the statistics and all the surveys, it deals with a question largely about relevancy. Now relevancy is a word here, and I don't usually like to start a sermon by saying, Merriam-Webster says... But this is actually one of those times where it's not such a bad thing to do. Merriam-Webster says this is what relevancy is because when we talk about relevancy in the church, it can cause a lot of strong opinions in a lot of different directions. So here's the definition of relevance. The one that we're dealing with has three sub-definitions. The first one is having significant and demonstrable bearing on the matter at hand. Relevant. The second is affording evidence tending to prove or disprove the matter at issue or under discussion. And the third thing is having social relevance. So I don't like circular, circular definitions, but what are you going to do? All of these imply an idea that relevancy is traceable, significant, and has a logical connection. In other words... Can people make connection to the gospel that helps them answer the questions that they wrestle with? That is how the church is called to be relevant. But rarely do we talk about that when we talk about relevancy in the church. There are so many books and so many articles and so many conferences that pastors spend way too much money going to to answer this question and primarily argue that it's not the message, but in fact it's the packaging wrapped around the message that really matters. Now, speaking of relevancy, I think that the second most said thing on a Sunday morning after good morning is where are we having lunch after church? Extremely relevant question for almost all of us. Now we can go a couple different directions to answer that question, can't we? We can have a fast food lunch, but that is Frankie's M.O. Anytime, where you, where you wanna go eat? McDonald's. You know, sometimes all we want is a little bit of fat and a little bit of sugar, right? Wire our brains towards, ah, Nothing like a few french fries dipped into some Frosties, am I right? We don't worry about the health and we don't really worry about the substance. I mean, because if you think too hard about fast food, uh, it's suddenly going to be incredibly unappetizing. We just want to be satisfied. And listen, we know these type of churches, right? Sleek productions good-looking pastor with top-end kicks, those Jordan 7s that walk across the stage, 
in a supreme hoodie, giving fortune cookie responses to one of the most impactful stories this scripture ever known to mankind. And many of the folks who advocate for this approach are also very big, by the way, on keeping sermon prep to the bare minimum. It's not really about the scriptures. It's about the experience, man. It's about the total package. I mean, some of these, I'm not kidding you, when there are definitely scholars in this commodified way of doing church that says, most you should be spending 45 minutes on your sermon. I mean, listen, that sounds really great. But what sort of depth is in 45 minutes of sermon prep? And sure, a fast food faith is tasty sometimes. Don't get me wrong. But if you run on that too long, it starts to seep in your heart, starts to show up in your blood, and it will steadily kill you. And in the end, here's the thing, what's not being sold is an answer to a question, but it's a product to provide temporary satiety. Now, it may seem like it has social relevance. When I look at a lot of these folks who get plenty of likes on Instagram and are super popular, the celebrity pastor, it looks socially relevant, but it doesn't really have significant and demonstrable bearing on the matter of hand. Because ask, for instance, how the fast food gospel will answer any of the questions posed by the Supreme Court this week. I mean, at least they look good. Or really, ask the question of a commodified fast food gospel outside of feeling really good and really happy and everything going the right way. Ask it, what do we do? And like any good fast food meal, you will regret it after a half hour. Now, there is an inversely commodified faith that isn't quite the fast food diet because we can feel really good about, well, we're not like that kind of Christian. Sometimes we can actually overdo it on the fast food and then we realize, gosh, you know, I need to take a break. (laughs) My stomach does not feel good. We know churches like this too. Austere, so unengaged as to become wholly unappealing. It is a disengaged choir with blank expressions droning through harmonies while an unremarkable and all too forgettable pastor drones on about constancy, sweet constancy, whilst fading into white noise that lulls the congregation off to sleep. No one speaks. Everyone shuffles. This is eating in monochrome. This is the ecclesial equivalent of the brat diet. Still isn't really nutritionally satisfying, but now it's really only associated with nausea and sickness. I don't tend to eat the brat diet unless I've been sick the day before. There really isn't an answer to a question here. It's a means to an end to return to another way of being. 
And even if it has something to say, the traceable, the significant, and the logical connections are actually really tough to grasp. So it's almost too hard to have a bearing on the matter at hand. Even if you are relevant, well, you've probably slept through the relevant point anyway. So both of these extremes, the fast food faith and the brat diet faith, are a commodity because a bland package can still carry some limited nutrition. So in spite of the fact that when we talk about being relevant as the church, it might not have anything to do with the way that it's packaged if it's to be sustaining and life-giving in the long run. And our texts show us two ways that these outside questions were responded to. The Acts passage today reminds us that relevancy only happens in and amongst people. Everything that you see in this Acts passage hinges on two important points, doesn't it? Philip paid attention to the call of God through the angel of the Lord and then through the Holy Spirit, and then he got up and he went. Philip could have supposed he was hearing voices and just had stayed at home, but instead he got on the wilderness road. And from there, he just engaged in the questions being asked. He didn't force anything. He didn't prepackage anything. He just responded to the needs at hand. Philip asks the eunuch if he gets meaning in what he's reading. Not can you read, but do you understand what this is saying underneath what you're reading? And the eunuch invites him to come and interpret the text for him. And as a result, this whole discourse, which leads in the end to the eunuch finding faith and being baptized, could not be commodified. You couldn't package that into a happy meal and give it to the eunuch. Instead, it was a conversation, it was a relationship, it was a moment that was bespoke to the eunuch themselves. Now, it doesn't mean that the process is entirely unknown. I have lots of cookbooks that are dedicated to using the same ingredients just in different order and in different proportions. Maybe instead of pan frying the chicken, I bake the chicken. Turns out it's still two chicken recipes. The ingredients, we know. But with every person, the preparation might be just a little different. And just like someone who moves from a line cook to a chef understands that over time, the more that you practice, the more that you're with people, the more that you study the text, the more that you understand relationships with others, it's no longer just a rote recipe, but the creativity of the moment to meet people right where they're at. Now, in Luke, we hear this story all the time. Good Samaritan is one that we commit to memory so often because it's a beautiful story of redemption. We so often focus on the Samaritan, and we don't very often focus on the whole framing of it because it, too, tells us about relevancy. The story here begins an expert in, the religi in, in religion, a lawyer, in the New Revised Standard Version, a legal expert asking what must be done to inherit eternal life. 
Now, Jesus answers that in return through the law, a significant and demonstrable bearing on the matter at hand. Turns out Jesus, in his response, was being relevant to the lawyer. And a well-packaged, commodified response here at this moment might have ended just with, you know what, legal scholar, you've got the right answer. Done. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues and says, you've got the right answer. Do this and you will live. Suddenly, it's not a prepackaged, easy-to-take-out formula for somebody. Now there's a challenge behind it. And this spurns the legal expert to feel like he needs to be justified. The message, I love how it says, he's trying to find a loophole. Help me understand, Jesus. I, I get what you're saying. Love, love myself, love my neighbor. That sounds great. But, you know, I'm really trying to make sure that I get out of here with... with baseline substance. Can you just tell me who my neighbor is? If I can understand the definition of the neighbor, then I'll feel really good about everything. But Jesus ends up weaving a story that makes it clear it's the Samaritan. And let's not forget that for the Jewish year, the idea of Samaritan being the hero of the story would not have been very appealing at all. Doing the right thing over and over beyond the folks like the priest and the Levite who should know better. It's the worst one amongst them in the Jewish imaginary that is the one who gets it right. Now, this ought to ultimately beg the question of relevancy. Is this significant demonstrable bearing on the matter at hand? Yep, absolutely. Does it afford evidence tending to prove or disprove the matter at issue or under discussion? Sure it does. Does it have social relevance? Sure it does. But this isn't the clean answer. This isn't the easy answer. It's not the one you package up in a bow, in a bag, and take home with you and devour at your convenience. But it is relevant. Now, I realize that this feels a long way around the barn. I'm watching some furrowed brows like, where is this guy going with this, right? How does this actually deal with the issue of relevancy and answering the questions that people wrestle with? The answer in my mind is this. Is that when we commodify the gospel... We commodify people too. And when we commodify people, we don't care about relevancy. We only care about the package. It means we're likely to have a fatty and saccharine laced gospel that will stop us from getting to the most nutritious part of all for fear that we cannot sell it enough. And like anybody who has spent a weekend bender eating food that is foreign and not good for you, after a while, you start not to feel good. 
And then you may lay off all of it together. And that may mean that we don't actually end up answering the questions that people wrestle with, but we treat them as products to be consumed. Well, listen, you who have all these questions that you're wrestling with, just come in and feel good about yourself for a half hour. Imagine coming into a restaurant and you're ready to eat and you sit down and you look at the menu and instead of actually telling you what's in the dish, they're like, well, this is, you know, we, we start our three-course meal today with joy soup. And then the chicken is grace-filled chicken with a side of happy ramps. Now, that might sound great, but that won't actually tell you what's in the dish and what you may be allergic to and how it might actually apply to your life later. But I'll tell you, that actually sounds kind of fun, right? We go, we go to verb restaurant where nothing actually is named. We just use verbs in order to describe what the dish is. Yet somehow we line up churches all up and down the street and we never tell people what they are because now it's a commodity and it's not actually relevancy. It's not actually getting at the deeper question that people are wrestling with. Perhaps we may be so fearful of the second story that we create something as bland as possible that leaves us to wonder about relevancy, but we still drone along in consumption in order to survive. Well, I don't need to hear about what to do with the Samaritan. I really just need my Chex Mix and skim milk, and that's enough for me. Both approaches lead to products that then we give to who we perceive as products. But true relevancy means that every gospel experience is from scratch. Because no two needs and no two experiences are ever exactly the same. And it doesn't mean that you can't have a menu. It doesn't mean that everything is bespoke. I mean, I've lived with my mama long enough to know you get what you get at dinner time. but you can work from a cookbook. And I'm fairly certain if I asked every single one of you in a blind taste test if you could tell the difference between McDonald's and Matthews, I'm fairly certain you could. Because there is something different about the uncommodified nutrition that truly gets to our hearts brings our spirits closer to what we know we've always needed. Does it mean it costs more? Maybe. Does it mean it takes more time? Absolutely. But the alternative for us, and really the alternative for every church who has to ask this question, is that what we do is we get really good at spiritual Big Macs and really good at driving people as quickly through a spiritual drive through And it means that you would never know the story of the Good Samaritan. Because it would be much easier to stop at, yeah, you got it right there, lawyer. 
Live God, love neighbor. Done. If all we did was do spiritual Big Macs and drive throughs we wouldn't know the story of the eunuch being saved, of being baptized, of entering into the kingdom of God. We wouldn't know about that because why would Philip take all the effort to get to know the person and to lay out a recipe specifically for the eunuch? Well, they don't really need that. There are people all over this community who are asking questions about the way that this world is. And so often, we just are willing to provide them whatever goes on the value meal. What is it like to be a church more like Matthew's and less like McDonald's? From scratch. Tell somebody actually really cares about it. And the meal's rich and it is good. And unlike Matthew's, affordably cost. Isn't that a restaurant you'd like to be visiting on a regular basis? Isn't that a church you'd want to be part of? So as we think about the questions that folks wrestle with, Let's think about the message over the package. Because there is where God will meet us in surprising and beautiful ways. Thanks be to God.